Amen. Amen. Well, New City, it's time for the preaching of God's Word, and the preached Word of God does not come by anyone's might or power, certainly not mine on today, but only by the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so we're going to look for God's Word to change us, to guide us, to lead us, to worship Him all the more on this morning. And so look for God to be speaking to you directly. And so we're going to be looking at God's Word from Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. As Elder Dave said, this wasn't planned, but the Lord um, saw fit. And so we're going to be talking about vision loss. Talking about vision loss. What do you do when you've lost your vision, when you cannot see? So we're going to look for God to help us when we have vision loss. We're going to get into God's Word, coming from Luke chapter 24, 13 through 35. Hear God's Word to us. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. 
when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up, up the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of God's word. May he apply it to our hearts now. Oh, Lord, be with us as we hear from you on this morning. We need you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If what you see is all that you see, then you do not see all there is to be seen. That's one of my favorite reflections from one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Tony Evans. Not our pastor, another Pastor Tony. But if what you see is all that you see, then you do not see all that it is to be seen. These two disciples were in a situation when they did not see all that was needed to be seen. These two disciples, rather, was dragging their feet on this road to Emmaus. They were depressed, defeated because of the death of Jesus. They were defeated because they once had saw this Jesus doing miraculous things, raising the dead to life, feeding people from practically nothing, casting out evil spirits. And not to mention, they thought, they thought that he was going to free his people from the power, the oppression, the tyranny from Rome. Just as they thought to believe in his words, to trust in this Jesus, and thinking they knew how it all would play out. In almost an instant, came crashing down. Jesus had been crucified, and they're, they're likely thinking, we were foolish to believe in him. Foolish. Our hopes are now dashed. We are now lost. We're ruined. It's over. And what are we going to do now? I don't know about you, but that question, I feel that question on this morning. And maybe right now, or maybe there's times and seasons that you do too. Oftentimes we feel like we have our lives all planned out. But in an instant, 
comes crashing down. That career has come to an end. How do I go on? My identity is called all up in this thing. Maybe you've had to hear. We had to make some cuts. I'm so sorry. We gotta let you go. That best friend who you thought that you can trust, but now has betrayed you. Perhaps you've uttered, but mom, but dad, you gave me your word. You promised me. That diagnosis has come out of nowhere. Oh, how it has hit you. Or maybe when the most important person, the most influential person in your life is gone. No longer there. All these things and more. Yes, we find ourselves asking, what are we going to do now? And so I'm looking, to be honest, I'm looking at these scriptures. Help me, Holy Ghost. And I'm saying, I'm asking, Cleopas, disciples, if this same Jesus showed you how to see again, in the midst of unclear vision, that I need this same Jesus to show me, to show us that he's still, that he's still in the business, in the business, and helping us today. Help us right now. Verse 13, that very day, two of them was going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that have happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. When you have vision loss, it will likely take away your ability to see the obvious, to recall the details right in front of your face. In other words, things become blurry. So again, these two depressed disciples were traveling along for seven miles, seven miles to Jerusalem. This is not just a quick seven-minute trip to the store. And so along the way, they had ample time, and they were discussing their apparent defeat that they had suffered. We hear about in this passage no good times. No amazing things that Jesus have done, that they have witnessed. All they were willing to discuss and dwell upon was the bad of it all. So much so that when Jesus came onto the scene to talk with them, they were even prevented from recognizing him. They were so caught up in their own agenda of what they thought that Jesus came to do. 
what he was going to accomplish, so caught up in their own despair. And, and don't get me wrong, this grief, this grief was something that they could never calculate, something that they never could imagine. But nonetheless, they were so caught up that they were unwilling, unwilling to see the fuller picture. I say unwilling here because it revealed, the Scriptures revealed that they actually ignore the very report of their sisters who are too a part of the community of disciples. Though they call it amazing, they say they call it amazing, they still deem their sisters' report as insignificant regarding the empty tomb. Verse 22, moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Here's a, a, a rather, I guess, ironic fact about uh, women being the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection. That is actually uh, the, one of the most credible things about Christianity and the reliability of the Bible. During that time, if you were trying to prove something was true, let me tell you something that you would not do, you would not have used testimony from women because if you did so, nobody would believe you. So these brothers, these disciples in this act are, 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 are sucked into the culture, if you will, around them as they deem the eyewitness testimony of their own sisters as unreliable. They've lost their vision. And notice how Cleopas decides how to describe Jesus to Jesus. He's talking to Jesus. And he said to them, Jesus, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. He doesn't describe Jesus as Lord, but only as a prophet who is mighty. Cleopas, these disciples have lost their vision. And so these disciples start off this conversation with Jesus. They're, they're deeming him as clueless. They're deeming him as blind for not knowing what's going on. But in reality, they're the ones who don't have the ability to see the very Jesus they claim to know and who they are currently talking with. When you've lost your vision, you are unable to see what's right in front of you. If you see, if all you see is what you see, then you do not see all there is to be seen. In fact, in that moment, the only clear thing was indeed their own vision loss. And so it was at that point that Jesus, he, he, he has to step in to help them to be restored in their sight. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary 
that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. In other words, this wasn't the time to have amnesia or, or to forget everything that he had showed them along the way. Rather, a time to recall all the things that he had been doing so that, so that they could be equipped in this new season that he was taking them to, that they were walking into. So Jesus had to stop them on their tracks, on their road, to show them what they ought to do when things get blurry. When things get blurry, it's especially there, especially there for your need to recall the work of Jesus, to recall that he is trustworthy, to recall that the Scripture says God is not a man, that he should lie. Jesus took the disciples through all of the Scriptures to reveal to them his track record, his track record of faithfulness. Though Adam sinned and humanity stood condemned in disobedience, he, this Jesus, was a sacrifice to restore and rescue us. As Moses lifted up that, that serpent in the wilderness in, 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 in numbers to rescue God's rebellious people, so would he, this Jesus, this Savior, be lifted up from the earth on a cross to save his people who would believe. He walked them through the Scriptures and showed them how they found these Scriptures. They found all of their fulfillment in him. Yes, Jesus knew they were now in a season of life where he wasn't going to normally be physically present all around them in a physical form. But despite these new circumstances of life, he was letting them know that he was still, still in control. And there was a reason why, precisely why in John 16, 33, previously Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you have peace, in me. In the world, you will have tribulation. You will. But take heart. I have overcome the world. The truth of the matter is, things in this life will change. Trials are going to come. They're going to be things going to come into your life that is going to test your faith like you wouldn't believe, like you wouldn't believe. My wife, my family, and I, we are walking through the most hardest season in our lives. How do you lose a mom? who is so unreplaceable. How do you lose a Gail Jean Perry? Vision loss is an understatement. I don't know the thing that's going around in our house. We don't know how we're going to make it 
You know, when the, the world is moving on, you know, that's not their mom. They're moving on. And all we want to do is scream. No. 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 My mom was here. It is moving on. And if I'm honest, I'm barely holding on, trying to figure out I can survive this test, struggling just to be. Struggling just to be. When the test comes, it's going to come. God doesn't want us to forget. But oh, he wants us to remember. Because our God, he's good. And, and he knows what's ahead of us. God knows that there's going to be suffering in this broken and fallen world. But here's the thing. He wants us to receive that peace. John 16, 33, he wants us to receive the peace from him and to recall that he, the maker of the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them, that he knows all about it. That he himself came into our world, of our world of suffering, and he suffered himself to be our sacrifice. Jesus wants you to know that he knows all about your loneliness. That brokenness that is occurring right now in your life, that depression that has set in, Maybe no one else even knows about it. That sadness in your heart so bad that you just want to pull it out of your chest. So bad. Everything. All of it. Let your Savior know that he knows. He's letting you know that he knows. So don't forget him in these things. Rather, when things get blurry, press in all the more. Press in all the more to your Lord. I'm not sure what's going on. (laughs) Thank you, brother. I'm not sure what's going on in your life. But I'm here to say absolutely, by the power of the Holy Ghost, You have to keep God's word as central and to actively apply it in your life. Because when you, after all, when you take the word of God, Jesus, look what our passage, when we look, take Jesus out of the situation, what does our passage say? Take Jesus out. What do you have? All is lost. The word is our map, and it keeps our vision clear. Do you see it this morning? I'm hoping that you may also see that you need to keep the right community close. Because now may be the season of your life that a sister or brother or counselor or therapist 
has become absolutely vital now in your life for you to make it. So don't limit or shut off voices or people who you thought previously perhaps were, wasn't credible, like the disciples did to their own sisters. Instead, don't, don't sidestep Jesus. Don't try to get in front of him. And surely do not turn away from him, but rather let the Lord lead, guide, carry you through in this current season in all the seasons that you face. On our journey, Jesus is informing us that we have to be continually willing to learn from him, continually. And, it, and the thing is, we, it may look different in different seasons, but in it all, we have to keep close to him. We have to keep close to Jesus in all that we face. We're then as we do so, we're then not subject to our own limited vision, but rather we stay aligned and connected to his. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. In other words, these disciples are saying, yes, we've, we've got some issues going on in our life. And yes, they're huge. And yes, we see that they're significant. And they haven't even begun really to disappear. But if I have no option but to go through this thing, then I'm now beginning to realize that I need to stay connected to this person who is telling me all these things in the scriptures. They're, they're focused on him. And they, yes, are, are beginning to, to, to feel again. Their hearts are stirring up. Their vision is beginning to be restored. When, verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Now things have changed. When Jesus was in their midst, what were they? They were blind. But now Jesus is no longer physically visible to them. But yet now they can see again. This, that, that Jesus is the bread, that Jesus is the giver of life. Maybe recall that when he fed the 5,000, the 4,000. When you keep Jesus before you as the bread and the giver of life, it might not change your exact situation, situation in your life, but it will certainly change the perspective of your life. They went, on, they went from being totally, totally defeated and depressed to joyfully thanking and, and taking another seven-mile trip as they raced back to Jerusalem. You see, the distance was still seven miles. But now their, their perspective, their reality, now it was causing them to, to, to lift up and say, my God is risen. 
But now my God I see is alive. And now in an instant, now before in an instant, their hopes was dead. But now in an instant, it gave them an all-surpassing peace. It gave them an all-surpassing joy leading to praise that transcended and has begun to overshadow their circumstances. And so now I'm here to to let you know and, and here to say to you that all those who call Jesus Lord or perhaps will in this space that Jesus has not been defeated, but that he is very much alive. Say with me, let the disciple, he's alive. He's alive even in the mess, maybe that you created, your, created for yourself. He's alive and wants, to, to run, wants you to run to him despite perhaps uh, your unwillingness, perhaps because of your stubbornness. He's alive, yes, even, yes, even, particularly in your loss. And he's there to comfort and walk with you, to talk with you. So recognize more and more that despite circumstances, that this Jesus is here for you. And yes, he is a prophet, the disciples said, a prophet there to lovingly teach and continually reveal himself to you in this circumstance, in this circumstances. He's also your priest there to continually intercede and pray for you. And he's your king to take good care and to protect you. All these things and more. So don't hesitate. Forget to praise him. Now, as I mentioned earlier, that these disciples, they went from calling Jesus a prophet who is mighty. Now they're willing to call him Lord. God is amazing. Praise the Lord. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has indeed risen. No matter what you're going through, find a way to praise God. It's most likely uh, that it won't look the same. It won't look the same in every season. I can probably promise you that. But in every aspect, take the opportunities that the Lord is gracing you to praise your Savior. Because after all, even in the midst of those circumstances, he's still worthy. Yeah, it might look dark, but ask the Spirit, ask the Holy Ghost, ask him to show you how to praise him, how to praise him during this time. When things are uncertain, Lord, show me how to praise you. I'm not ready yet to face this, Lord, but show me how to praise you. God, your track record, it spells out faithfulness. Show me how to praise you. Lord, you have never been defeated. You never will be. So show me how to praise you. My Lord, my King, show me how to praise you. Recently heard the lyrics of a song, story I'll tell. The lyrics basically is testifying that though things may not be going according to plan, God is still faithful through it all. Even though 
vision is clear that we can't see the clearer picture. Some of the lyrics says, the hour is dark and it is hard to see. What you are doing here in the ruins and where this will lead. Oh, but I know that down through the years, I'll look on this moment and see your hand on it and know you were here. My God did not fail. It's the story that I'll tell. And when all that is left, all that is left is highest praises. So sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah, the rock of all ages. Amen. I'll close. Lastly, a newlywed couple was uh, driving in the foggy night in the middle of nowhere. They found themselves behind a a semi-truck, and uh, the husband was unwilling to wait. So he decided to try to get around it. But because of the fogginess of the night, he did not see the oncoming van and collided right into it. The car flipped several times, thrown into the air, rendering both he and his wife unconscious, they landed into a ditch. The, the husband uh, ro- woke up and he saw his beloved. He, he saw his wife in bad shape, bad. And he knew that he didn't do something. He, he didn't know if she was going to make it. And in that moment, he looks up and he, 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 he sees a sign that says a doctor is nearby. And so he gets his wife, he takes her, he carries her up the, the, the hill to the doctor's home, and to his delight, the doctor comes to the door, and he says, Doc, my wife is hurt bad. Save her. That doctor looked at him and said, I'm sorry. I'm tired. I'm retired, and I no longer practice anymore. And that husband looked at that doctor and says, You have two options. Either you do what you're called to do and save my wife, or you better take down that sign. You see, a lot of followers of Jesus are displaying a sign. But when the season has changed, they don't want to practice anymore. They may be willing to come to the door and to answer when things are within their control. But when they're facing an unknown path, they don't want to practice anymore. And so I'm here to tell you that Jesus has not called you to stop following him now. But in this precise season, this very precise season, to press in all the more, even when it it feels different, even when it looks different, that vision is gone.
he is still yet able and ready to restore that vision and lead you through. Our God is faithful. Amen. Praise be to you, God, the almost faithful, wise King, Lord and Savior. We thank you, O Lord, that you are with us in all the seasons and trials of life, and that you are safe to go through. Oh God, we thank you for your help, your guidance. When we facing, face things that have come upon us and things that we do not yet see yet that's coming and you're trying to prepare us, lean in on me. There may be some things coming. Oh, Lord, help us to trust in you. Guide us, oh, Lord, as we sing, be thou our vision. We thank you that you are there. You are all that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.